<laughs> praise Jesus. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise in the house of the Lord this morning? My goodness. Can we thank our worship team and our ushers, our sound people, our children's workers and all that? You know, these services don't just happen. You know, I, I, I realized that after now pastoring my little church plant that I just thought that children's workers just came out of the ground. <laughs> And worship teams and all these things. They don't just happen. There are people that have volunteered. Can we give our volunteers a, a, a hand clap of appreciation? How about all our pastors on staff? Come on. Well, I just want to let you know today, it's been an honor. It's, it's an honor to be here. Um, while, while the worship team was singing, I... I was just lost and I was having visions of God. There's going to be an incredible healing anointing in this house this morning. Um, as we were worshiping, I heard the Lord say that there's a verse of scripture um, for Samuel chapter 15 and it says, fill your horn with oil. And go. You're speaking of Samuel. And I felt like the Lord say, the horn and the oil that Samuel was carrying is being poured out this morning. And before I share the word that God laid on my heart for you, I'm going to introduce my first lady, my queen, my princess my wife of 39 years, my partner in crime against the powers of the devil. We, we met in that beautiful city, Lahaina. Uh, we were just there a couple of weeks ago. And um, the church that we were married is not there. The... the Unfortunately, it got burned down. The church that I preach at in Lahaina got burned down. And uh, the place where she first kissed me got burned down, too. And uh, so, because she says, she says, I kissed her first, but she kissed me first. I, I, she, she, oh, my she's goodness. Gotten for, she's gotten a little forgetful. I don't know what happened with that. But would you give Sister Meliana a hand if she comes? Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Again, it's such a privilege and honor for us to be here this morning, especially coming here. And uh, not only, I tell you what, the presence of God in this place is just so beautiful. Let's all lift up our hand again one more time. Let's honor him and acknowledge him. Holy Spirit, we want to say thank you. What a privilege that we gather together and worship you, Lord. And you promise us that you will inhabit our praise. Father, that's why we gather this morning. Not to see a preacher, not to hear a preacher, but to hear from you, Lord. We came here this morning with an open heart, open mind. 
open ear ready to hear from you and to receive from you. But before that, again, we want to acknowledge you again. Holy Spirit, you are so beautiful in this place. We felt your peace. We felt your joy. We felt your love. Holy Spirit, you come and have your way. You come and speak to us. You come and change us, oh God. We want to give you ahead all the glory and honor to glorify your name for what you already have done and about to do and continue to do here at Valley Church. We love you, Lord. We bless you and we worship you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Let's give Jesus another big hand clap. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We worship you, God. Thank you, Lord. I tell you what, I got a kick on that. I'll never forget that, what Pastor Renee said. Young ladies, <laughs> make sure the men have money, okay? <laughs> I tell you what, that was so cute. That was so precious. But before that, make sure they love Jesus, okay? <laughs> that was awesome. Praise God. So anyway. Just a little, uh, uh, just want to let you guys know we have some books in a foyer, and this is John's latest book. It's called Leading with Generosity. And it's a great book. For me, there's a scripture. I believe in the book of Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, a generous soul shall prosper. How many here this morning want to be prosper? Make sure you remember the first part, okay? <laughs> what did the first part say? Generous. Be generous, okay? Be generous and we shall prosper. Other translation says, and we will be made rich. A generous soul shall be made rich. And for me, paying my tithe and give offering, that is already a given, God already spoke to us on that. But I believe God wanted us to go beyond being generous financially, being generous on giving. I believe God is speaking deeper than that to many of us. We need to be generous with our love. We need to be generous with our forgiveness. Because I've seen people, they give. But yet they carry anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. And that's what God wants us to be generous with. When somebody hurt us, offended us, we got to be generous with our forgiveness. Amen. We got to. But let me tell you what. If we are healed here and here, giving is no problem. And that's what God is concerned for, that we need to be generous. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh, yesterday I cried because I just happened to came over. My brother, she has, I mean, he has been him and his wife. He's an Assembly of God pastor. Him and his wife have been separated for the last three years. But yesterday, I just happened to watch their life, asking for forgiveness from each other. And not only that, asking for forgiveness from their children, asking for forgiveness from the whole family and the body of Christ. 
And that's what God is looking for, that we need to be generous with our forgiveness toward each other. What if we're trying to invite people to come to church, but they can see all the bitterness and anger? What if you're the only Bible they read? If we're carrying anger and unforgiveness, how can they decide to have have the Christ that we're talking about? But God, I mean, but God wants you and I to be generous in our loving and our forgiveness so he can restore everything. Amen? Last uh, few weeks ago, John and I, we were in Hawaii. We were in a conference. We were speaking there, and um, I remember uh, they assigned to us a topic that we need, we need to speak on. And uh, we got the whole sanctuary, and there were 1,500 sign up for our class. And the class they gave us to speak on, the, uh, it says healing and miracles. And John and I look at each other and say, oh my gosh, <laughs> how can we relate to this? That means we have to come up with something. We were expecting uh, something that they give us for like revival, prophetic. That's what we were expecting, so that's what we have been flowing, so no problem on teaching on that. But they gave us a subject that we need to talk to the people about healing on miracles. So we're looking at each other trying to figure it out. Then all of a sudden, the Lord reminded me this scripture that I have just quoted to you. A generous soul shall be made rich. And he said, Meliana, I have made you rich in my healing and my miracles. You have been given, given, I'm not talking about only financially. You have been given up your time, like a pastor sharing. You have been given up your time traveling because you wanted to use your time to be generous to the body of Christ for what I have given you. You have been so generous with your time. And because you have been so generous with your time, I made you rich. I healed you. I have done miracle in your lives. And I'll show you with, with you guys what happened about early in the spring this year, or I think or the fall last year, I found a lump in my body. It was shocked me. And then when I found it, of course, it drove me to go see the doctor. And when I went to the doctor, they did all kind of tests. And I have to go through mammogram. After the mammogram, then they required me to go to have a biopsy. And when I went and did the biopsy, they found cancer cell in my body. And when that happened, it was shocked me. I was such in a shock. And I have sit down many times with the oncology and the surgeon. Uh, they were trying to uh, help me to go through what they, what they think that I have to go through. Finally, they decided, and they were telling me what I need to go through. They said, Melana, the only way, and this is what we decide that you have to do, you have to go through chemotherapy. And when I heard that, I, I, I mean, again, I was such in shock. And, and I remember the doctor was, I, I walk in, and I remember I saw the big sign 
the cancer treatment. It says cancer treatment. And all of a sudden, all kind of questions pop up in my mind. I was saying, God, what is this? I cannot relate to this. I felt like I'm in a wrong place. I said, God, I was thinking, I'm a blessed woman. I'm a healthy woman. I am not on any medication. The only medication I take, if I remember, is vitamin C. Because <laughs> I'm very healthy. I try to eat right and try to exercise, do, do all that just to stay healthy. And I said, God, I cannot relate to this. I feel like this is a curse. I cannot relate to curse. I, all, all I know in my life is blessed. I am a blessed woman. What is this? I cannot relate to this. I feel like I'm in a wrong place. And let me tell you what. And I said, God, is this some kind of punishment? Oh, I confess all my sin that I know. Is this some kind of punishment? And I learned something. God is not obligated to answer my fearless questions. He is not obligated to answer my fearful. We please him with our faith, not our faithless questions. Amen? And I remember I was, so guess what? I didn't hear no answer. And I remember I walk in, and I remember the doctor was explaining to me what, I'm, what to expect when I have to go through the chemotherapy. And she was telling me that I, when I go through the chemotherapy, expect that I will lose weight, lost all my hair, lost energy, tired, cannot travel. Because I explained to her what I do. And I will be so sick, throwing up. All these sickness that come with, with uh, chemotherapy. But immediately in my mind, I said, no. I am not going to participate in a side effect of the chemotherapy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, we have to prophesy. Because in my mind, when she was telling me that, I could not picture myself staying home and being sick. I picture myself every week. I'm in three or four different cities. And I cannot stay home and being sick. Listen, his word says, as a man think." So is he. As a woman think, so is she. Amen? And I remember when I walk, and I finally walk in to where you have to sit and get, get the infusion, put the infusion on your body. And I tell you what, when I walk in, like what I said, I felt like I'm walking in to a death zone. Everybody, I will remember walking, saw this lady, skin and bone. Nobody expect life. Everyone expect death. You're walking the place filled with depression, fear, worries, and anxieties. And all of a sudden, my heart start crying. And immediately in my mind, I was thinking, because I was in God. All I know is at church. I cannot relate to these people. And all of a sudden, in my own mind, I answer my own question. I said, Lord, at church, everybody got to hear your word. But these people, nobody got to hear your word. 
They were created in your image. And I said, Lord, thank you for the privilege allowing me to be here, allowing me the opportunity to get the witness of these people. I answer my own question. And all of a sudden, a gentleman came and sat right next to me. And he opened up his mouth and he said, I am so much in pain, so much in pain. And all he talked about was his pain. And immediately in my mind, I was thinking, because here I was, like what I said, I rebuild, I am not going to participate in a side effect. And that's exactly what God did in my body. I've been, I over three months of treatment, you can see my hair. And I had never lost no energy. They gave me medication to take because they said, are you going to be nauseated? I had never picked it up over three months ago. Never throw up. Never lose energy. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Never miss a beat. I am always made it to the, to the service. But what I did, I, just, I flew to uh, Tucson, Arizona, Every week in the middle of our flying, uh, of our schedule, fly, I wake up right after speaking wherever, whatever city we're at, wake up early on Thursday morning, fly to Tucson, landed at the airport, got a rental car, straight to the, to the hospital, hook up the infusion. Right after, while they're hooking up, I put on my makeup and that nurse kept, what are you doing? I have to go preach right after, right after infusion. Hurry up. <laughs> Every Thursday, I set my own schedule so I can preach on, in our church every Thursday night. Right after preaching, go home, sleep, sleep like two hours, wake up early to catch a flight like three o'clock in the morning to fly wherever we're at. And I did that every week, lost no energy. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But anyway... And the gentleman said, all he did is complaining about his pain. Immediately I was in my mind, I'm going to change this atmosphere. If I allow him to continue to talk about his pain, I will believe myself that I have pain too. So I look at him and I say, sir, listen, no doubt that you're having pain right now. But I believe you are in control of your body. Tell your body, I am in control. Tell your body you have no pain. And I, and I figure I have to get, continue to talk, continue to talk. And all of a sudden, he stopped talking. And he looked at me and he said, ma'am, I think you are right. I said, I am right. <laughs> Women always right, okay? <laughs> but I tell you what, the joy. Now, instead of being afraid of going there every Thursday, I look forward every Thursday to walk into the cancer treatment. It was such a, just like this past Thursday, I walk in over there, this gentleman and his wife just sitting there so depressed. So I start talking, I say, hey, one day we'll have a, we will all have a beautiful body. They all look at me, <laughs> shocked, and they say, because I have to find a way to, uh, to strike a conversation. So all of a sudden, I got all their attention, and I said, I know all of us who hate this, because they hook up all the chemo into our body. But you know what? One day, we're all going to have a great body. Then I, all of a sudden, and I start changing the conversation, and this wife sitting there, I know she is dealing with her husband's depression from the sickness, and she looked at me and she said, ma'am, can you keep talking? Can you keep talking? And I said, God, 
What a privilege. Allowing me to be here so I can bring hope to them, so I can bring encourage them to see them come back to life. I said, Father, I will not waste my time here. I thank you for the opportunity allowing me. And let me tell you what, whatever you are going through, God will use it for good. And like what I said, I pray, Father, this chemotherapy will only going to kill the bad cells because your word says that by your stripe, I am healed. Amen? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So guess what they did? They did all kind of scan, MRI, I think that's what it's called. And under the scan, the full body scan, three uh, biopsy on my lymph node. Guess what? They could not find nothing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God is a faithful God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. There's one thing I wanted to encourage you guys with. I remember when I was in Hawaii, a good friend of mine walked up to me. We'd done conferences together. She walked up to me and she said, Meliana, why didn't you call me and tell me what you went through so I can pray for you? And I said, sis, I didn't even think about it. I'm trying to just, because I have now I have more flights add on to my life every week. I was so caught up of just trying to get to church, getting to the meeting, getting to the doctor. I didn't even have time to call you. But this is one thing I wanted to remind you guys. We need to be very careful not to put our attention on the sickness or the crisis we are going through. And I learned that, listen, I don't want to give attention to cancer God, we need to shift our attention to God. Amen? No wonder. When Jesus walked in to Jairus' house, and I believe everybody there, they were praying for the young lady. Nothing happened. They all have the gift. Lay hand on the young lady. Nothing happened. And here is Jesus. Show up. But guess what? They never pay attention to the presence of God. Why? Because God wants you and I to shift our attention to him, not our sickness, not our crisis. And it breaks my heart when I see people so focused. Because what you focus on, that's what you become. Amen? And that's why I just, and when, when my, my, my friend asked me that, and I was, it finally dawned on me, because that's not my focus. I'm not focusing on cancer. The focus is on Jesus alone. He is the one that is going to heal us. Amen? So anyway, and guess what? Here is Jesus showing up in their presence. But guess what the people are doing? They are focusing on sickness, and they are focusing on death. Here is the presence of God there. They didn't have, they were wailing and crying. No wonder Jesus kicked them out. My presence is here. But what are you doing so focused on cancer? I got to lay hand. I have the gift of laying hand on you. And nothing happened. 
I remember when I first um, first sharing this, uh, uh, my situation, I, I was so precious. It was everybody lined up in my book table, give me a prophetic word to lay hand on me. I receive it. I love it. But my concern is to make sure that we don't pay attention to our crisis, to our problem. Pay attention to the presence of God. Amen. Only the presence of God can heal us and set us free. And the reason why I share my story, because God has been so faithful. I have experienced a sight of God that I had never experienced before. What I come to find out, because I just said, I am not going to participate in a sight effect. And God honored that. Not because he honored my word, but he honored what he said. Because what he said in Job twenty two twenty eight, it says, make a decision. I am not about to let the cancer make the decision for myself. Cancer tell me that I have to stay home, sick, and, and have all the uh, loss of my energy and all that. I did not allow the cancer to make the decision for me. It says, you make a decision and decree a thing. I decree. I am not going to participate in a side effect. And then the word says, and then the light of God's favor will shine upon your situation. I believe God looked down, look at her. She made the decision. She agreed that she's not going to participate in a side effect. I better step in and shine my favor on what she just decreed because she came in agreement with what I said. God wants to do miracle in your life, your family, your whatever crisis, whatever problem you are dealing with. God is more is honor when you and I come in agreement with His word than when you and I come in agreement with our problem. Amen. Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She could have stayed up there and kept preaching. I wouldn't have mind. But I want to tell you something because I remember exactly where we were when I, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, which we're actually heading there Tuesday. And I were at the hotel, had gone to the gym and there in the hotel. And I came in the room and she told me, she says, honey, they found cancer. They say, I have cancer. And I turned to her and said, the devil has cancer. And kept right on doing what I was doing. Not worried. But then the day came um, where she had to go through her chemotherapy. And... Um, I dropped her off and I then, because they had run some tests and do some things, and then I came back a couple hours later to sit with her. Now, you have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, I've seen cancer healed. I saw a goiter on the side of a, a young man's neck disappear instantaneously in the Philippines. I've seen miracles happen. A number of miracles happen. And miracles are going to happen this morning. They're going to happen this morning. And, but when it comes to your house, it's a different story. It's a very different story. 
So I left for a couple hours. I'm going to go back and I'm going to sit with her. Now, I hardly go to the hospital. And usually when I walk into a church like this, there's, because when I walked into the church this morning, I saw two things, life and light. There's life in the house and there's light in the house because you're full of light and you're full of life. Come on. But I walked into the a lower level and this is, and this is a, at the University of Arizona Cancer Treatment Center. It's a huge complex. And I walked in and I said, I said, is Mrs. Har- where is Mrs. Harkey at? I'm her husband, John. And I never in 39 years expected to hear this. Oh, she's on the second floor in the cancer ward. That like hit me. And so I went up to the second floor and this place is huge. And there's room after room after room and each room there's three or four patients in the room. And you know, of course, I, I, I am now, as I'm walking through this cancer ward, having an emotional meltdown. Because my Pentecostal charismatic word of faith side of me wants to lay hands on everything that breathes. I want to see hair grow back. Come on. I want to see skin and bones. Because, they're, because the color of the people's skin that I'm looking at don't look normal. Come on. It's yellow. It's an it's a, a unusual color. You don't see hope. You, there's, there's hopelessness and despair and depression on the faces of these people, come on, that are made in the image and likeness of God. And I, I am completely overwhelmed emotionally and, and because I know that Jesus heals, you know. And I know that he can heal everybody in this room. Then there's the other part of me this very angry. I'm just confessing. And not angry at the patients, but angry at the system. Because my little phone, I can go anywhere in the world, but we can't find a cure for this. Then, because I know, Meliana talked about biopsy. One biopsy is $48,000. She had, what, four of them or something like that? Three of them. And then every time, every, every time a person goes through, through uh, chemo, it's $12,000 a pop. And there's hundreds of people there every single day, five days a week in the name of health care. Something's wrong with that picture. Something is definitely wrong with that picture. And so... The healing parts in me. And so I have to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I am completely emotionally paralyzed. The man of faith, the prophet. I finally, you know, I, I remember going through the hallway and I'm, I, I'm going in the room. Melian, are you there? Are you there? And never expected that. And so I finally found her in the room and I sit down with her. And aren't you thankful that when you're paralyzed, the voice of God breaks through and gives you a word of wisdom? Aren't you thankful for that this morning? That when you don't understand what's going on, come on, all of a sudden the voice of God comes through all that. And I'll never forget what he said to me. 
He said, John, the reason why you are paralyzed is because your imagination has not been baptized. And I came here to tell you this morning that God wants to give us an imagination that is baptized. Because my Bible says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Are you hearing what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen? And there's a number of, of, of avenues that I can go in this morning, but I want to stay concurrent because there's a story in Matthew 14. Before I unpack that, there's a story that's in all four of the Gospels. It's the story where Jesus multiplies the five loaves and two fish. And after the Lord gave me that word about having my imagination baptized, I recall that Jesus asked his disciples to feed the 5,000, not including men and women, I mean, women and children, excuse me. And they came up with excuses why they couldn't feed the 5,000. And when you don't have an imagination that's been baptized, you'll come up with an excuse to do what God didn't, God wants you to do. God didn't ask you if you had enough. God didn't ask you what you had in your pocket. But when you don't have an imagination baptized, you'll, you'll, you'll come up with a legitimate excuse in your mind, I can't do that. So, you know, John, the book of John, John 6, talks more about that story than any other, the other three gospels. So what does God do? God turns to a little boy. God turns to a child. Because children are born with an imagination. Come on. Are you hearing me? And I, and I have a two, five grandchildren, and I have two grandsons, and my daughter's son, Levi, who, who's going to be 11, uh, I was, I, and it was a couple years ago, uh, and I surprised him. We, we flew to Florida to surprise him and his sister, and he was in the kitchen doing his homework, his math homework. And when I walked in, I heard him say, Alexa, what's five plus two? <laughs> You have to have a pretty big imagination. Come on. Because, you know, why should, I, why should I do math? Because Alexa can do it for me. Come on. You know why? Because children don't have a concept of how much. Children naturally imagine that whatever I have can multiply. And that is why God turned Meliana to a little boy. Because the little boy didn't come up with an excuse. Because the little boy doesn't know how to count. Come on. And is not interested in counting. But what he is interesting, he's, what he's interested in, because Jesus said, feed them. I want to feed people. I want to feed people. So that's why God turned to a little boy. 
But after that miracle, after that miracle, Jesus goes up to the mountain, but he, then he says to his disciples, he says to his disciples, I want you to get in the boat, and I want you to go to the other side. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's something that I know about God. When God tells us to go to the other side, most of the time he doesn't tell us what's in between. <laughs> because if we knew what was in between, we probably wouldn't get in the boat in the first place. <laughs> because uh, he, he spoke to us to, to, to go start a church in Tucson. If he would have told me what was in between, I'd have never started the church. <laughs> and it's interesting that here they are, they obey, the, they obey. They don't make any excuses. We're going to get in the boat. We're going to do what God said. He just, he, just, he just multiplied five loaves and two fish. We're going to do this, and we're going to go to the other side. So they're in the boat of obedience, Pastor Tim. And yet, as soon as they start rowing out, winds, storms, cancer, divorce, hit the boat. And the New King James Version and the King James Version says, and the winds were contrary. Everybody say contrary. Turn to your neighbor, say contrary. You got to understand with the Harkey family, my, my, you know, cancer's contrary. Come on, sickness is contrary. Uh, divorce is contrary. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because, because we're in the boat of obedience. Come on. And some of us, sometimes we don't understand that even though we're in the boat of obedience, we can still find ourselves in an atmosphere that is contrary to our faith. Oh, come on. So here they are surrounded by, you know what? COVID was contrary to me. Death is contrary to me. Come on. Because I believe the word of God. Unforgiveness is contrary and so, there's some, I mean, and sometimes we can be, spend so much time seeing what's contrary that we forget to go to the other side. So, what happens to us, or in other words, what's the first emotion that you and I, we human beings, experience when we find ourselves in an atmosphere that is contrary to our belief system. Exactly. Fear. These disciples, now there's fear in the church. Now there's fear in the boat. And I can tell you something. Fear kills our ability to imagine. Because now I'm imagining the worst. I forget that Jesus prophesied to go to the other side because everything that Jesus prophesied is now contrary. Come on. And so fear enters the boat. And when fear enters the boat, there's no momentum. There's no mo moving forward. There's no, there, there's no healing. There's no miracles. We just, that's what's happened. That's what was happening in that cancer ward. The thing is, I don't, the church doesn't have to be like the cancer ward. 
The church should not be a boat of fear. Come on. But the church should be filled with people who have their imagination baptized. So what happens? So Jesus is praying, and it says that on the fourth watch, you know, Jesus doesn't have to take a boat or a plane. He can just walk out on the sea. So he decides, I'm just going to take a stroll this morning in the storm. Because the storm, I'm not susceptible to storms. The storm is not going to affect what I'm going to do or not. Cancer is not going to dictate the policy of my life. Oh, come on, please. Because sickness is not what I revolve around. Healing is what I revolve around. Miracles are what I revolve Wonders are what I revolve around. So he's out there now walking on the sea. Now it's interesting. The disciples have been living with the Lord. They have watched his miracles. They watched his ability to multiply five loaves and two fish. And here Jesus is coming toward the boat Walking on the sea. And then all of a sudden, instead of recognizing Jesus coming towards them, they tell each other, it's a ghost. Man, you are in trouble. You've, you, you've got fear in the boat and ghosts coming at you. Come on. Oh, are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me just tell you something. The ghosts are the wind. The ghosts are the things that are contrary. They're the real ghost. It's not the presence of God coming towards you. So now, in the boat, Meliana, they, 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 they've got ghosts coming at them, and they're afraid. That's enough to have a panic attack right there. That's enough. You know what? I maybe need a couple of Valiums now for sure, because ghosts are coming at me right now. And it happens even in Idaho. But, ladies and gentlemen, there's one man in that boat. There's one man that I think preachers make too much fun of. But there's one man that has an imagination baptized. Because, Brother Tim... There's nowhere in the Old Testament, I'm going, to, I'm going to turn there in a moment, but there's nowhere in the Old Testament where we actually see anybody walking on water. Come on. But ladies and gentlemen, let me just tell you, I did not get saved to be bored. Oh, come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I beat to a sound of a different drum. I didn't get saved just to sit in a pew and rot. I didn't get saved not to see miracles. I didn't get to save not to prophesy. I didn't get saved not to see what God can do. Because my Bible says, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor has it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. Do I got anybody here at Valley that love him? I want to see what nobody has seen. I want to experience what nobody has experienced. Come on. Now, you got to understand, everybody in the boat except Peter thinks it's a ghost. Because sometimes you'd be surprised you're killing your imagination. Because the people in your boat are killing your imagination. 
<laughs> oh, come on. Many times. I mean, you don't know how many times, times her, her, the doctor has tried to kill Meliana's imagination. In fact, I heard her. I heard, I heard it on the phone. She, the, the doctor called and wanted to continue to prophesy the side effects. You're going to lose your hair. You're not going to travel. You're going to be sick. You're going to start throwing up. You're going to lose weight. You're, you're going to be extremely exhausted. And I heard Meliana, doctor, I respect you, but I'm not participating in that. <laughs> Church, I'm not participating in fear. I'm not participating. I didn't get saved to sink. I got saved to walk. I got saved to overcome. Peter's the only one in the boat that has his imagination baptized. Because they're all looking in their concordance to find out where it is walking on water stuff. You know, I can't find this walk. Sometimes we become so, so, theologically, so theological that we don't believe that God can do a new thing. And we come in agreement with things that are contrary to what we believed. And I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And I'm not going to let the church do that. No, I don't like, I don't, I didn't like them hooking up my wife with this yellow substance going inside of her. I did not like it. Do I like, absolutely, I hate it with a passion. But there's one thing I'm not going to, I'm not going to let that, that chemical determine what I do with my life. Oh, come on, church. Greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. And, and so, Peter is the only disciple in the boat because you could be the only person on, the, on your job. You could be the only person in your church. You could be the only person within your family. I'm not participating in the fear narrative. Oh, come on. I'm not participating in that. Here's what I'm going to do because I got born again and I seen God heal. I seen God do miracles and I don't know about you, but I, I, I want to see more, experience more and go further than I've ever been before. Come on. And I'm thankful for what God has done, but I'm not satisfied with where I'm at because guess what? The fear in the boat could kill me more than the storm. Come on. The fear of cancer could kill me more than the cancer can kill me. And, and so, this is what I love about Peter. Peter, uh, he, says, he says, you know what, Lord? Uh, I, I know that I really can't find this in the concordance right now, and they're trying to preach to me because believe me, let me just tell you, you start walking on water, you're going to have resistance. You started one of stepping out of the boat of, uh, of fear and try to do something that most people aren't willing to do. They'll think you're crazy. But Peter said, you know what, God? I want to do this walking on water stuff. I want to, that's what, I, I got saved to do this stuff. I didn't get saved to sink. I didn't get saved to die. I didn't get saved to have my, lose all my hair. I got saved to walk on water. Do I got anybody? Come on. Now, I'll stop right there. Meliana briefly mentioned it when she got up and, and shared, but the story, 
where how many know that we all know the story that that woman touched him in his garment and was made whole. But let me just tell you something. She got healed before she touched him. She got healed when she imagined, if I just touch him in his garment, I'll be made whole. Oh, come on. Some of you are going to get healed this morning. Not, not because of my hand, but because you imagined if I just touched the hem of his garment, I will be made whole because you know what you will do. The Bible says that, that in the NIV it says that she was subject to bleeding for 12 years. Everybody say subject to. See, you, you know what? My wife doesn't have cancer. I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm thankful for medical doctors. I, I'm not against medical doctors. But I, I will tell you this. Instead of being subject to cancer, I want to be subject to what I believe. Oh, come on. I'm not going to be subject to the diagnosis. Now, this woman was subject to bleeding for 12 years. That means that everything revolved around her bleeding. She ate and breathed her condition. I don't want to eat and breathe my condition. I want to eat and breathe the air of heaven. I want to eat and breathe what God's word says about who I am and what is possible in this life and the next. Are you hearing me? That's what I want to eat and breathe with. And, and, and believe me, Meliana is not trying to draw attention to herself. And even when she stands back in the book table, she's not asking you to pray for her. And yes, you can pray for her. She, we can always use all the prayer that we need. We, but at the end of the day, it, it, it's the fact is that I can get all the prayer that people give me. But if I don't change my thinking, oh, come on. If I don't change my imagination, then I'm still going to be in that boat of fear. No, she imagined if I just touch, that's when she got healed. But listen to this. I'll get back to Peter in a moment. Because Maliana opened it. Jairus is a synagogue ruler, which means he's a, he's a bishop. He's not only pastoring a local synagogue, he's, he's over a number of synagogues. He's over a number of churches. See, his, his little girl is extremely sick. And empty hands have laid hands on this little girl and nothing has happened. But he hears about a man named Jesus who doesn't have empty hands. His hands are filled with healing and life. And despite his constituents' perspective on what Jesus is and who Jesus is, he knows that in Jesus' church, they're having miracles. But in his church, there's no miracles. So instead of coming to the conclusion that I'm just going to live with my daughter's sickness, he decides to do something <laughs> that could jeopardize his position. And what he decides to do is I'm going to leave my synagogue because <coughs> what I want to do is I want to bring Jesus into my church. Now, ladies and gentlemen, you know what? I, I, I don't want to just bring anybody. I want to bring Jesus into the church. 
Because if I bring Jesus into the church, then we won't have to be worried about my sick daughter. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take initiative and I'm going to go to Jesus and I'm going to bring him into this situation. I'm going to bring him into my boat. I'm going to bring him into my fear. I'm going to bring him into my faithlessness. I'm going to bring him into that. I'm going to bring Jesus into my storm. Well, she, you know, well, she didn't care if his constituents thought, who, look, at he, look who he's going to. We don't know who this man is, and, but he can lose his credentials, but he doesn't care because he's so desperate for a miracle. And so he, he goes and he falls down at Jesus' feet and he basically tells Jesus what to do. He basically says, he prophesies. He said, Jesus, come over to my house, and when you come over to my house, this is what you're going to do. You're going to lay my, your hand on my little girl, and she's going to live. Church, that means before he ever left his synagogue, he imagined Jesus in his mind coming over to his house and laying his hands on his little girl. Now, I don't know about you tonight, this morning, but how many are believing that Jesus is going to come to your church, come to your house, come in the middle of your marriage, come in the middle of your children, and lay his hands on what you love the most and watch that, watch that person get healed? Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It starts with your imagination being baptized. So, of course, on the way... On the way to Jairus' house, we were in, there's a little interruption with a woman of issue of blood because she imagined, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed, and that's exactly what happened. But I need to tell you this. While Jesus is addressing the crowd, people from Jairus' house come, and they whisper in his ear, I want to ask you a question. Who and what is whispering in your ear? Because every single one of us have voices whispering in our ear. Telling us you're crazy. You're too, you're too, you're too charismatic. You've taken this healing thing to another level. Just like Peter I'm walking on water. I'm sure before he stepped down into his boat, boat uh, stepped step out of the boat, rather. I'm sure that the other disciples who were whispering in his ear. Because right now, we have people who have no imagination. Whispering in our ear, saying, you can't do that. Yeah, that's, this is what they did. So, so and because here's what we, we don't, we, we, we have a tendency. We know the word. I, I even went, I, I went to Bible school with Pastor, with Pastor Rich. I went to two years of VSSM, but still I didn't silence the whisper. Come on. And, and the, the whisper was, why bother the teacher anymore? She's already dead. Let me just tell you, if your imagination is not baptized, you'll agree with the whisper. You'll come in agreement with the facts. The facts is my wife did have cancer. But my Bible says, lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
Forget not his benefit. He heals all your sicknesses and all our diseases. Come on. That I'm not going to come in agreement with cancer. I'm not coming in agreement with that. I'm not listening to the whisper of the devil, the whisper of the doctor, the whisper of the culture. I'm listening to the voice of God. Come on, church. Oh, here, I feel like preaching right now. Because ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something right now. I'll get back to Jairus. But, but when, 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 when the whisper in the boat, when the, because sometimes some of you in this room tonight need to silence the whisper. You need to silence the whisper. You need to silence that whisper because that whisper is hindering you from fully getting what God has for you. And, 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 and so what Peter did is he didn't listen to the whisper of the other disciples in, in the boat. He turned, he looked at Jesus. You may see a ghost, but I see the Lord. You may see, because you, your theology hasn't been baptized either. Come on. And so here's what I'm going to do. Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Because if it ain't you, I don't want to come. You know what Jesus said? Come. You know when he said come? It wasn't just for Peter. It was for everybody in the boat. Oh, come on. But it's interesting that the only person that came, because I want to tell you something. We don't hear, we don't see anywhere else in the word where a human being walked on water. Sometimes, God only does something once. And I don't want to miss my moment. Because I'm afraid. Because my imagination hasn't. Because guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I stand here. I'm guilty. I've missed my moment in that cancer center. But God did not allow Ameliana to miss hers. I should have gone over there and prophesied over those patients. But because Meliana's had her imagination baptized, she now prophesies every week. And now the whole ward knows who Meliana is. <sighs> but this woman... This woman with this accent and curly hair who has not lost her hair, who, 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 who shines with light and who has her nails done and puts her makeup while she's doing chemotherapy, then gets up and goes and preaches and preaches to everything that breathes. Come on, are you here? They can't shut her down. Oh, come on, church. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are times when God just does something once. And if God says, come, and I need to come. This may be my only opportunity. I don't want to miss my moment. But Peter was the only one that came because his imagination had been baptized. Now, I, I want to say something because there's some really bright Bible students in this room. Meliana, can you hand me that Bible right next to you? Just thought I would say this. What version is this? It doesn't matter. I like all the versions. 
you know. I like all the versions. I want to read something to you. In Job chapter 9. In Job chapter 9, verse 8, it says, He alone spreads out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. <laughs> maybe Job, maybe, maybe Job saw God treading on the waves of the sea. Because if there's anybody in the Old Testament that had his imagination baptized, it was Job. Oh, come on. How many would like God to tread on the wave of your storm? On the wave of your sea? On the wave of your sickness? On the, way of your, uh, on the waves of your pain? I'm going to walk right through this to come and get you. Come on. And a lot of times preachers make a lot of, a lot of, they make a lot of messages about Peter sinking. This is not a sinking message. This is a walking message. I'm not sinking. She's not sinking. We're not, the church is not sinking. We're not going under. We're walking on water. Can I hear an amen? And I can tell you this right now. Yes, he stepped out of that boat. And he walked on the sea. And yes, he sunk, but only for a couple seconds. But then Jesus was right there to pick him up. Come on. And I, I don't hear Jesus, I don't hear Jesus beating him up for sinking because he fell. Can I tell you something? I have two children. And my son Charles, who is now 37 years old, he, he I remember he's about a year and a half. And at that period of his life, his head was bigger than his body. Come on. And we were living on Maui at that time. And in our living room, we had a couch, a coffee table, and a love seat. And I walk in after work, and that little boy is, has his hand, he has his left hand at the edge of the coffee table. And he's standing there, and he's kind of shaking, you know. And, and, and I, I'm taking my shoes off. I get my shoes off and I look him in the eye and I said, son, come. Come to daddy. And that little guy took his hands off the coffee table. And took about three steps and fell. You know what I did? Before he fell, I caught him. I caught him. And you know what I did? I called my mom, I called my grandma, I called my aunt, I called my whole family, and I said, guess what? My son walked. Because God would rather have you, Valley, to take baby steps of faith than no faith at all. Come on. Than, no, than not walking at all. I didn't say, why don't you learn? Why did you get your eyes off what you were doing? Why did you wobble? Why did you fall? I never said that. I was so enamored about my little boy walking. Because it's interesting that we preach more about sinking than we do walking. This church is not going to sink. 
This church is going to walk. We got a couple of patriarchs here in the house this morning. Come on. Sitting over in this corner. And you know why this church has never sunk? Because they came to this valley. So they raise up a group of people that would have an imagination that has been baptized. Can I hear an amen right now? How many are ready to walk on water? Now we know. We know that once Jesus picked him up, they now both are standing there on the water. And they walk back to the boat. And can you imagine being in that boat and thinking in your mind, I could have been out there. Because Jesus was, well, well, that's a storm out there. Well, Jesus is out there. He ain't in here. He's out there. That's where I want to be. He's in the middle of the storm. He's not in the middle of the place of fear. He's not. And he's not afraid of the storm either. And I'm, I'm sure the other disciples says, we should have listened to Peter. We could have been walking too. Because God doesn't want just one person to walk in this church. God wants every member of this church to walk. Let me wrap this up today. And then we're going to pray. The whisper, the whispering, and the whispering didn't come from the devil. It came from people in his congregation, people in his house. Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But aren't you thankful that Jesus hears who's whispering in your ear so he can speak a better word into your soul? Oh, come on. And he turns to Jairus and says, Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. Oh, yes. It recalibrates his imagination. That's right. And so, Meliana briefly touched on it. I won't go too deep. But I will tell you, there was a lot of noise and commotion in the house. Not excitement as the presence of God was coming in. But the noise was believing a narrative that now the daughter is dead. Everything is hopeless. So what Jesus says, he goes, why, the, why all this commotion and wailing? So what are you called to do in this season here in this treasure valley? Because there's a lot of commotion and a lot of wailing right now in the culture. That's why we have to prophesy the words of Jesus into the atmosphere. Just, just briefly, I don't know. It was, I was in the spring. I went to the dentist. I went, I went to the dentist. As my dentist is in California, been there for years. But you know, since we moved to Tucson, I thought it would be easier if I just get a, 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 a dentist a little bit nearer my house. So I made an appointment and went to the dentist, and they looked me over and and. Uh, told me how much it was going to be. And I told him, yeah, I might do it. Let's, let's move forward with this. You know, it's close to my house. 
And then the young man, he's probably in his late 30s, early 40s, fine young looking man, tells me, Mr. Harkey, we need to take your blood pressure. I said, I'm at the dentist. I don't need to take my blood pressure. And and, and besides, I just drank five shots of espresso. (laughs) I know what my blood pressure is right now. And I'm at a doctor, you know. And uh, no, 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 we really, we really need to take it. And so, you know, I, I started walking out as he's telling me. So I get to the this doorway. The reception is here, and then the waiting room is on the other side of the door. And, and, he, and, he, and he grabs me, and he pulls up a chair, and he comes with that little, it's like a watch, you know. He puts it on your wrist, and he takes the blood pressure. He takes the blood pressure, and it's like 200 and something over 180 uh, yeah, I know it's bad. <laughs> I read your lips. And this is what the doctor says. The dentist, not the doctor, not the, heart, not the cardiologist. The dentist says, you're going to die. That's what he says to me, Christy. And I, I turn to the receptionist and I turn to the doctor. Not today. <laughs> because my life is in the palm of God's hand. Oh, come on. Oh, I have to tell you something. Oh, I was so, I mean, I'm going to have, now I'm going to have fun with this. Because I happen to be very high strung. Because I couldn't be able to travel like I do and not be high strung. And so I, 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 I turned to the doctor, I, I turned to the receptionist and I said, the doctor said I'm going to die. The, the receptionist the at the dentist, and you said I'm going to die. I don't think I, I don't think I want to go to this dentist because I don't want to die. <laughs> so I'm going to find a dentist to go to that I don't die in. Come <laughs> on, you hear what I'm saying? I said, I'll just get my money back and I'm out of here. I was so mad. I was so mad at the devil. I, I, I went home. I, I, I parked my car. I put on my running shoes and we live up on a ridge. And I, and I ran up and down those hills until I got seven miles and I'm still alive. <laughs> now, I, 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 did, I, I did do something, you know. I, 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 completely, I completely went off coffee for two months. Just two months, you know. And, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm still alive, so I feel good. And so I'm not worried about my blood pressure. But I mean, we do got to take care of our temple. But it has dropped. And I thank God for it. But here's what, what I'm going to do. If I would have listened to that doctor, I would have taken on the symptoms. If I listened to the whisper. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't mean that we don't take care of ourselves. But I want to tell you, don't be afraid. Just believe. Because there's lots of commotion. And Jesus starts prophesying. He starts prophesying and he says, the child is not dead, but asleep. And they laughed at him. He did. Let, let, let me tell you, you can laugh at me, but don't laugh at Jesus. Because this is what I don't understand. She's the one going through chemo and not losing her hair. I'm not going through chemo and I'm losing my hair. <laughs> What's up with that? 
But when they laughed at him, he put them all out. Because I can't take people where I'm going whose imagination has not been baptized. Oh, come on. I can't take you further in where I want to take you corporately as a body and a group of people. I've got to put you out. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that you're evil. But what I'm getting ready to do, no eye has seen and nor ear has heard, nor has it into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. And Jesus, Jairus, James, James, Peter, and John, and Jairus' wife walked into that house and said, and that's what Jesus did. He said, which means little girl, I said, Say to you, get up. But he he laid his hands on that little girl, and that little girl got up just as Jairus imagined. Oh, come on. How many want to see God do what you've imagined He can do in your life? Lift your hands all over the house, all over the house, all over the house. Father, we love you. Father, we adore you. We thank you right now that in this room, in this room this morning, you're going to baptize people's imagination. Because we Pentecostals have emphasized the baptism of the Holy Spirit just with the evidence of speaking in tongues. But Lord, I don't want to speak in tongues if my imagination is not baptized. (laughs) Jesus. I want my imagination back. Put your hand. How many in this room need a physical miracle in your body? I want every person that needs a physical miracle in your body to stand up right now. Pop out of your seat. I need a a physical miracle in in my body. Here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to, because you know why? Because today is your day. Today is your hour. Today is your moment. Today is a day of miracles. Because not only are you going to get a physical miracle, when you come up here, your imagination is going to get baptized. Oh, come on. I'm not saying that there, I'm not saying that this that there, 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 there's going to be symptoms. I'm not going to say that there's going to be winds that are contrary. But here's what I'm going to do. Everything that is contrary, I'm not going to allow it to kill my imagination. I'm not going to allow it because my imagination is baptized. And if you need a physical miracle in your body, on the count of three, I want you to run to this altar right now. One, two, three, right now. I want I want I want it. I want it. I want the physical miracle. All the way up to the room. All the way up to the room. All the way up to the room. Because here's what I'm going to do, many of you. Because what many of you have to understand is that, see, I know people that can quote healing scriptures. But if your imagination is not baptized, you can quote it all the way. But if your imagination is baptized, you're going to believe what you're quoting. Can I tell you that Meliana was telling, telling us the other night that um, her doctor came in and said she had gone to a wife and then gone back to the doctor or oncologist who's not, not a believer. Said, have you heard the good news? 
And Meliana turned to the doctor and said, Oh, you got saved? Because <laughs> that's the good news. Come on, the gospel. And she looked at Meliana, no. He said, if it, he said, well, if you didn't get saved, I don't know what kind of good news you're talking about. He goes, no, you're, you're cancer-free. And, and she turned to the doctor and said, well, I already imagined that when you told me I had cancer. <laughs> right. But ladies and gentlemen, in this room right now, I'm going to pray pray a prayer of faith and God is going to come in power and baptize your imagination and you why does John G. Lake have to be the only one that empty hospitals why can't Tim Fish empty a hospital well come on why can't a 13-year-old young man empty a hospital. Come on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Why can't a young lady with all kind of tattoos empty a hospital? Come on. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Why can't you, Rachel? Why can't you? I'm just going to take a group of people that have your imagination baptized. Put your hand over your forehead right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, from the top of their head to the sole of their feet, I ask you right now, in the name of Jesus, Father, there are numerous examples in the Word. But I ask you to baptize every person within the sound of my voice the people at this altar the people helping our children uh, the, all through this campus the people out in the parking lot Father that you would baptize their imagination in the name of Jesus that there is water walkers there, there are people that are walking on the sea because they heard your word and they believe it when you said come they're not walking. They're not walking literally on the water. That is scientifically impossible. But they're walking on your word. And there's nothing impossible with you. He would baptize their imagination like Jairus. And like the woman with the issue of blood. Who imagined if I just touched the hem of this garment, I'll be made whole. There it is. Just receive it right now. Just receive it right now. Just receive it right now in the name of Jesus. Just receive it right now. There it is. God's touching you right now. Just begin to lift your hands and thank Him. Just begin to thank Him right now. Just begin to thank Him right now.
Just begin to thank him right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. There's a person right now up in this up at this altar that there you having some lung issues, some breathing issues. The Lord says, if you'll just wave your hand, I'll heal you. Where are you? Give me a give me a wave offering. Give me a wave offering. If you can make your way up here, if you can make your way up, ma'am, lift your hands to Jesus right. Oh my goodness. I guess you're coming up here, I guess. Just come, come, come a little closer. I don't want you to fall. Lift your hands to Jesus right now. If I get one of the ushers to stand, bu- stand behind her. If you could turn this way. We are. Just turn this way. Just turn there. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come here, ma'am. Come over here. Yes. Come here, young lady. Put your hand on her chest for me. Thank you, Jesus. No, ease it gently, 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 gently. I guess I'll have to teach ministry protocol next time. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch this woman right now. Lungs be made whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There it is. God's healing you right now. You're going to be healed right now. You're going to be healed right now. There's a person that has slight deafness in your ear. God's going to heal your ears. Where are you? Give me, give, give me a wave offering. With ears, I want you to come up to the platform. Make your way up to the platform ears. Go ahead, worship team. Just begin to worship God. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.